Now for the information of all hands. Welcome to the 1MC with Master Chief Jason Vander Hayden, and this is Episode 2, Global Coast Guard. Our special guest today is Ms. Ann Cataldo. She is the Director of International Affairs and Foreign Policy Advisor for the U.S. Coast Guard. Thank you for joining us today. I'm very excited to be here, and I want to thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. And Master Chief, I know uh, this is a, a very special topic that you want to talk about, so I'll just turn it over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. I tell you, uh, this is probably the thing that I love the most about the Coast Guard is our opportunities to serve abroad. And we have somebody, uh, Ms. Cataldo, came over from the Army. Is that right, Ms. Cataldo? And uh, so you have a lot of experience uh, overseas and, and uh, in, in helping direct policy and, and uh, opportunities to, for overseas engagement. I'm so thankful for your time this morning. This is like, so the number one, you know, we did the first one with Admiral Ray. This was my, the one I'm really looking forward to is a global Coast Guard. So thank you for joining us this morning. So, you know, when I was in E4, I graduated from A school and I went to Loran Station, Iwo Jima in Japan. So we don't have, obviously we don't have Loran Stations anymore, but that was kind of my first experience at serving in the Coast Guard overseas. It was isolated duty. It wasn't all that exciting, but serving on, on Iwo Jima was exciting. But, you know, I, I, got an opportunity to go over to Yokota Air Force Base and see the great work that the folks at Yokota were doing and the engagement that they had. And I said, man, this, this you know, serving overseas is a pretty neat gig. And, and so I wanted to, to invite you in today to talk about other opportunities and things that we might be doing overseas. And I thought I might start with uh, kind of your thoughts on the where we're going as a Coast Guard in our overseas uh, assignments and opportunities to influence global policy. Thank you for that. And again, thank you for that invitation because this is a topic that, of course, is very near and dear to my heart, which is a globally engaged Coast Guard. So you're right. I did come over from the Army. I, my last assignment was in policy, but I have sufficient mud on my boots. I was an Army officer and served in Korea, in um, Panama, and in Honduras, JTF Bravo. So I, I have that same feeling you have, what it's like to be overseas. I, I think we are living in almost a pivot moment for the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard has always been global. We've always been engaged in the Arctic. We've always been engaged in South America. And when we were called either by DOD or one of our partner countries to help out, we did. But just recently, what's going on in the world is the world is watching the strategic value of Coast Guard and Coast Guard-like organizations. So we've really moved up a notch. And what this means is huge increase in demand. And so what we have to do is go from a globally employed Coast Guard to a globally engaged Coast Guard. And what I'm looking at in that context is we can't be everywhere at once, but we can put Coast Guard capability and Coast Guard values, right? The values of safety and security in the maritime. We can put that everywhere by being strategic in our engagements. So we have not only focused countries, but we have to focus on the way we engage so we build that network of global Coast Guards all moving towards the same purpose. And that's really where all of our Coast Guard members come in because the people who are listening out there, you are our deck plate diplomats and you're gonna build that network. 
Thank you. So when we talk about uh, Coast Guard presence and engagement, and, and we have obviously 11 statutory missions, and do you foresee us being able to kind of assist in the icebreaking mission, maybe assist in the, in the port security mission, maybe assist in the law enforcement mission? You know, you know, obviously different countries are requesting different types of assistance, but uh, is there a, a particular focus? Like, uh, you, you know, we have our international training teams that, that go out. We use the MSRT to, to go do like in the Middle East and things like that. Is there a, is there a couple key mission areas that you think are, are growing for us uh, in terms of our engagement with foreign, foreign countries? Yeah. So some of the, let me break it down like this. There are certain countries with whom we're going to partner. They are the countries that are pretty pretty sophisticated. They know what they're doing. The kind of missions we're going to do with them are going to be joint exercises, maybe ship riders, right? The kind of things that two mature powers do together to meet a national security goal. So they're the uh, Portugals, they're the Great Britons of the world, they're the Australians, people who are there. There's a second level, and that's kind of um, recurrent missions. These are often countries that have very specific needs, and we're going to continue to train them in those kind of specific needs. And I think about law enforcement, particularly the ports, and a lot of interest in, in keeping them safe, right? And then the third, and I think this is the one that's really growing, is the comprehensive missions. When I think about comprehensive, I'm thinking about the South China Sea and especially Oceania, because those little islands, what they're most interested in, they want to protect their ports, they want to keep intruders out of their EEZ, they want to keep crime off of their seas, they want to keep their fish in the water unless they eat it or they sell it at a fair price. Places like Indonesia is known as like the zone of the ring of fire because there's continuous catastrophes. They want to be able to respond. And so those are the kind of skill sets that that we have and that we're going to be building in that area. So if if somebody wanted to participate in that type of mission, would they should they look for assignment to like an international training team or are we pulling individuals out of like an MSST or an MSRT or a sector? How do we determine what that team looks like that's going to go to Indonesia or Malaysia or Vietnam or you know one of those countries to do that work? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. That's a fair question, and I think the answer is is we have a mosaic of opportunities here, right? We can go on a PCS assignment where we're going to go out to the entirety of the field to look for those skill sets we need. And I think you're very um, conversant, Master Chief, in the one going on in the UK yes. because that's kind of a jewel in the crown, yes. right? We have 11 guys over there. They are serving in an engineering function because the British somehow in all of their changes lost that capability. They go over there, they get full pipeline training, they get like level four pay. they get tuition to put their kids in private schools, they lead their own little teams on those vessels, they're deployed across Europe, and for a lucky few, they're going to actually go around the world with a carrier strike group. And they're just, they're literally people we pulled from the fleet. In addition to them, we have our um, mobile training teams that come out of Yorktown, 
they are actually stationed in Yorktown. They, they go overseas in three to six week stints. And uh, they usually work with like six to eight countries a year. We oftentimes, if we don't have a class and somebody has a need, we go again out to the field and we look for a subject matter expert and send them over to be the trainer. So, and then of course you have your MSRTs and each district has its own relationships internationally where either they're exercising or they're, they're riding on other boats. So really, there's a world of possibility. That's, that's terrific. And that's what excites me is uh, the world of possibilities for our folks to, to be able to engage uh, globally. So one of the things that really excites me is what we just established in Costa Rica, where we have a uh, MK senior chief and an ME senior chief or a chief that is working with the Costa Ricans to kind of help build their capacity. I know this is aspirational, but I, I think that's a neat model. And if there's an opportunity, I'm just going to throw this out there as a good idea club. If there's an opportunity to do that with other countries, I think that would be very popular. I think you'd have people lining up to, to try to serve in those roles. So um, I, I appreciate that. Uh, and going back to the UK thing, I, I want to just give a shout out real quick to MKC Joshua Tauscher. Uh, he's assigned to the HMS Kent, and he was uh he was selected to be their uh, the the vice president of their chief warrant officers and chief mess. So he's uh, he's doing great work over there. I went over and visited the folks over in England that were doing that mission, and they're all doing fantastic work. And it's exciting, uh, exciting opportunity. And and they I want to say they have advanced. They've been promoted or advanced out of those jobs. So so it's not like it's a it's not hurting their career or anything. They're still they're still learning a lot and doing well in the service wide. So, uh, you know, as we look for opportunities, we're, we start to decommission our 210s and 270s, our medium endurance cutters. Are you involved in the foreign military sales aspect of, of what we do? Um, I'm involved on the policy side. So I partner with our acquisition people. So I'm going to give a shout out to Todd Reinhardt. He's a, he's a great guy. Nice. And, and so this opens a big world of possibilities because in the next 11 years we are going to be decommissioning something in the realm or we're planning to let's put it that way some <laughs> never say always right yeah something like 91 different vessels that are much in demand if i could drop back a minute though, sure. on this question and what you said about costa rica i have a story where the two married together and it's so fresh in my mind because it's yesterday Yesterday, the head of the Georgian Coast Guard and the head of the Georgian Border Police, which is his higher headquarters, came to, came here, came here, and uh, Admiral Bushman hosted them. And their story is such a remarkable Coast Guard story. So 2008, they had nothing, zero. They just had an idea. And we came in here, and again, this is us, our people. We taught them, we trained them. We gave them two 110s through an excess defense article program. We helped them set up a JMOC. Then we put together a motor series for them. So they're a small force right now, but the head of the border police said that they are the example for every other agency. They're so well run. And they are so proud to be part of us. They were so excited to be up at our headquarters. I just feel like... It's a win. It's a win on a policy level. We have a friend for life. It's a win at a tactical level. We have somebody who will burden share to the amount that they can 
burden share as a, a small country. And it's certainly a win to every Coast Guard which who served over there. And we had maritime security advisors there from about 2009 to 2015. It, it's just a great story. That, that is neat. Uh, did, did the Hamilton, when Hamilton went into the Black Sea recently, I think they had an opportunity to engage. And then we, we typically have like a Georgian cadet uh, going to the Coast Guard Academy. So we're training the, the future leaders of their officer corps. And I, I'm not sure if we have any Georgian students coming to like Yorktown or Petaluma or not. But, but uh, you know, the opportunity for them to come over here and train with us, learn how we do things. And then if we did have an assignment opportunity where we could send a couple folks over to the Georgian Coast Guard to work alongside with them. We at least have some familiarity there. So that's neat. Uh, that's a beautiful country and, and a wonderful people in, in the country of Georgia. That's that's fantastic. Um, thank you for your work uh, with with the Georgians and, and you know, all the countries that are kind of helping us counter the, you, you know, some of the Russian influence there in the, in the Black Sea. So, so Ukraine as well. I think we have a pretty good relationship with Ukraine. We do. We have a growing. And you were right about the Hamilton. I should have touched on it. Once again, when the Hamilton went over to the Black Sea to exercise, they exercised with the Georgians who we had trained. And they exercised with the Georgians who brought out the one tents that we gave to them. So it, it's just a nice, complete circle that's, story. That's, all, that's amazing. If we... This is purely aspirational here. This is not, I'm not creating policy. I'm just making, I'm just throwing out ideas. But, you know, as we decommission some of these patrol boats, perhaps there's a desire uh, in some of the smaller countries in, in Oceania to, uh, you know, to use those. They're not, the 87s are not old they're, and they're still in really pretty darn good shape. Um, you know, perhaps there's an opportunity that we, you know, as we either excess defense article them or, or foreign military sales with them that we could, uh, you, you know, find some billets uh, to help get them the operation side and the engineering side to keep them going for a little while. Maybe it's not forever, but, you know, I would I, I would throw that out as there's a neat, neat, a neat thing if we find the, the ability to do that. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that uh, going forward. If Federated States of Micronesia or uh, Palau or, uh, you know, C, the CNMI, if they wanted to, uh, some of those patrol boats, that would be a neat, neat thing for them. And then we could help them run them. So that would be, and that's, we're starting right now and we're just in our baby steps of it, but we know that all of these vessels are in big demand, the two tens, the one tens, all the way down to the 87. So we've put together kind of a whole of Coast Guard group. We've pulled out from each of the areas to, to look at, okay, what is the vessel? Who is the country that wants it? And then where is the best match? Because we don't get the final decision, but people listen to us, right? State, DOD, Congress, they'll listen to what the Coast Guard has to say. And so as we build our programs in Oceania and the South China Sea, this could be a natural fit into any one of them. Yeah, that's that would be neat. Yeah. Um, and I would, I know some, some MKs and some BOSA mates that would sign up in a minute to go over there to help help keep the help train the train those uh, those countries on how to use the 87 so be well, cool. I, I think we're going to keep a lot of your enlisted pretty well employed Oceana and the South China Sea are really two areas of future focus and I already gave you the strategy right 
But where what resonates is the Coast Guard, yeah. right? And because we resonate, we have some rather large missions coming up, really in about six of the little Oceania islands and things in the planning phase in the South China Sea itself. And they're slated to be all together five to seven years. So we're going to need a lot of help awesome. from the, awesome. <laughs> from the fleet. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I know they're ready to I know they're ready to jump in. I talked to a lot of folks who are really uh, interested in serving overseas. Um, and then you know we have uh, you know some some other uh, some other operations, you know with the IUU, the illegal unregulated unreported fishing, uh, that you know that goes to their security. Do you do you see us uh, Working, you, you know, really getting at maybe getting after some training or some opportunities working with some of these foreign countries to, uh, uh, you know, for fisheries. We have our fish schools. We have our, you know, regional fisheries training centers that uh, have some really talented folks there that, yeah. that uh, know fish. Do you see us uh, maybe get getting involved in that a little bit more or are we pretty much, you know, full on with that already with the IUU fishing? Yeah. So so that's a good question. And, you know, that um Admiral Clendenning is leading that group, but our part is to work to design the training. So there is no full-on training program yet, but that's one of the things that we're establishing, and the demand is there before we've even got the training together. And actually, there's really two parts to that. So yes, we're going to need trainers, but also it's going to give us the opportunity to work cooperatively because there's other nations who are willing to join us in that kind of training program. So not only would we have the opportunity to deal with the people we're trained, but actually be part of or aligned with trainers from other countries, I which see. is exciting. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. So would you say having a, a law enforcement qualification would be, you know, is that, is it, so I'm, I'm trying to, so if I've got an E4 petty officer right now that is saying, you know, I'd like to, to, to work overseas or to be, you know, you know, have an opportunity to serve overseas, is there any skill sets that you would say, you know, maybe an instructor skill set or a boarding, you know, an LE skill set? Is there any, and, and then perhaps even cyber, you know, if there's a, if maybe there's some cyber skills. Is there any skill sets that you see that folks should start working towards now as like an E4 so they can be ready when, when the call goes for, for folk jobs overseas? So first of all, let me go back to what I originally said. It's a mosaic, and we calls for skill sets across the board. About anything that they teach in Yorktown, we get calls for. Now, having said that, certainly law enforcement, search and rescue, pollution control, anything, and now these days, anything related to the environment and climate change, they would be the biggest ones. I think other qualifications are, number one, um, cross-cultural communication skills. Mm, as wonderful important. as it is, people are all different, right? To, to be excellent in your craft, because the better you are in your craft, the more you're supporting our national strategy, right? Yes. So I, I think that that's huge. Um, and and I, the last thing that I would think is um, crucial for me is because we are dispersed, right? We need team players and we need feedback. So we're continuously working to get that from our our people who are dispersed across the world so we can make the programs better. Okay. That's uh that that's great cuz I I know um 
you know, as I talk to young folks, they say, hey, Master Chief, what can I do to get ready to prepare myself to be attractive for some of these overseas bills? So thank you for, the, for that answer. Um, you know, in, in the uh, so we talked about Oceania a little bit. We talked a little bit about Europe. Is there any anything in uh, this hemisphere in like Central South America where you see opportunities in the next few years to to serve or to engage in, you, you know, uh, you know, in Central and South America. Sure. So from the top to the bottom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so if you start with the Arctic, yeah. the Arctic is the center focus for many countries in the world because things are changing up there. And we, the Coast Guard, have a Arctic Coast Guard forum. All eight Arctic nations, right, work together collaboratively in that forum. And that's one of the, the key collaborative structures right now for governance, so every two years we do a full-on exercise, right, which would give our people a chance to cooperate. And in the meantime, a lot of our partners have expressed interest in either coming with us on one of our deployments or taking our people with them. So I, I see a lot of opportunity in that collaborative space. If you move down to well, Canada, we do so much with. Yes. I, I, yeah. I, I could spend a whole podcast on Canada. <laughs> Needless to say, there's a lot there. Uh, move down to Mexico, and Samar, who is, who is their maritime force, has just taken over complete captain of the port authorities. So we are helping them in all aspects of how they can set up that kind of security in their ports. It's a big job. It's wow. a big job. To just to, to take over for a small force. I think you know our president is focused on the Northern Triangle. We have comprehensive partnerships down there. So you already talked about the two who are going to go to Costa Rica. We have pretty continuous either teams or, or people coming here for residence courses for El Salvador and Honduras. And Costa, yes, and Costa Rica, those three. Um, and then as we go south, I, I think the question is going to be, as we start building these partnerships in the IUU, where and how are we going to cooperate? So yeah. there's going to be a lot. I, a friend of mine called me the other day, he's in the Army, and he said that he was tracking a, uh, an engagement with Guyana, one of our, you know, the MSRT going down to Guyana to do some work down there. And yeah, it just it's just amazing how, you know, the... The, the, all the engagements and a lot of people they don't we don't they don't know about it or they don't see it but we are fully engaged with many different countries all the time and uh you know i just want to compliment our international training division and all the folks that uh that work there um i i, I um you don't you don't manage the language i think cg2 manages the, the language program is that right or do you have anything so cg2 is the biggest user because they have the attaches right so they have a special language program we have certain positions in when you go to a foreign country where language training would be part of the training okay. for that position okay really it's the situation dependent yeah I get to ask that quite a bit about, you know, how can, you know, can folks sign up or, or request to, to get, you know, go to like the Defense Language Institute or, or take language training. But I think those are billet specific. Yeah, At this quotas. point, they are. Yeah. So we've talked, you know, about kind of the nearer term, you know, where we're what we're doing right now. 
Is there any parts of the world uh, that you think in the next few years are going to uh, need or or get Coast Guard support in terms of uh, international engagement? Well, one area that we're starting to watch right now and listen to the drumbeat is Africa, right? So Africa's General Townsend is the combatant commander, and he's starting to change in his strategic thinking to understand the importance of the ports, the importance of maritime security, especially when you look at the the west coast of Africa, and you look at the, the increased piracy in the Gulf of Guinea, when you look at the IUU fishing, when you look at the trafficking. So we have, in fact, it's kind of interesting. When we talk about our training, our individual training programs, our MTTs and our resident training, we have quite a few of them there. And we're, we are starting to hear more and more requests for how can the Coast Guard assist on that very long, um, long, long, long coast of Africa. And we have actually have partner countries at our level saying, we'd like to go in with you and we'd like to be joint in our assistance. Oh, nice. So I think that's going to be a growing area. Yeah. Did I, I think I saw something that said Nigeria is on pace to be the third most populated country in the world uh, in, in like 10 years. That's, a, that's just hard to fathom when you think of China and India and then Nigeria may be the the most pot so they will definitely need their fish they will definitely need all the sustenance and uh, that they can they can gain from their from their eez so uh you know training them and working with them that'll be that will be critical so so the the we've we've talked about where we're serving all over the world but to pull that up into a kind of a a, a theme or a strategy you know I'll, I'll go to the commandant's watchwords of ready relevant and responsive and you know, keeping the Coast Guard relevant uh, in the national defense strategy, national security strategy, national maritime strategy, those those strategies, uh, they really require the Coast Guard to kind of be involved as other countries start to build out their Coast Guards and grow, get la- larger. Can you talk about um, the way that the Coast Guard can can stay relevant in terms of meeting our national strategies? Uh, yes, that's a very good question. I want to thank you. So I think we're actually more than relevant. I, I think we're a, a key strategic tool in today's world. So you hear a lot about the strategic competition. You hear a lot about malign influences. There are many countries out there, especially smaller countries, that don't want to be caught between a clash of titans, if you will. And where the Coast Guard fits in is We are in that space where what we represent is a set of rules that will give each country what it wants and it needs, safety and security, stewardship of its maritime area. So it no longer becomes a question of picking sides between one great power and the other. It's a question of what kind of, what kind of, of a maritime environment do you want to have for yourself and your family and your society? And that really is what the Coast Guard symbolizes. And that's what's brought us up in this world. There are so many countries that will welcome a Coast Guard with open arms where they would have hesitation with bringing in other elements of power. Thank you. And, and then we talk about you know the, the, the big strategy, but at the end of the day, it's the, the, the coasties that show up in the 
and the and the and the ships and the and the black holes and the white holes that and the red holes uh, that show up. They engage with the local people and they see how you know how nice we are. You just kind of how 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 cooperative we are and how caring and you know I I, I can recall doing um, you know community relations type work and you know really you know, showing that America is here to help, you know, the United States is here to help and we are, um, and, you know, we want to help them be uh, self-sufficient, not try to write them, you know, not try to take over or, or, you know, we want them to own their own security and their own stewardship, as you say, of their natural resources. So I want to remind everybody when you, when you're out and you're making port calls in foreign ports or you're doing work in foreign ports, remember you're representing the Coast Guard. We worked very hard to develop this reputation of, uh, you know, just, you know, a good a source of goodness and, and, and assistance. So, you know, I want to thank everybody that, that is working overseas and that does, you know, really embody the reputation of the United States Coast Guard. We, we do have a terrific, terrific reputation uh, for our ability to help folks. Ms. Cataldo, I, I just wanted to say thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, I, I would turn the mic back over to you just for a minute, just for a few last words of, you know, maybe uh, some words of encouragement for folks that are, that are interested in serving overseas. And, and, and I, I tell you, I can't thank you enough for your leadership. I, I, I wish you could all meet Ms. Cataldo. She is a, is passionate about what she does and, and, and keeping the Coast Guard uh, ready, relevant, responsive. I mean, I just see it every day. So I, I, it's an honor to have you here. And I'll, I'll see if you have any parting words uh, for uh, the future of, of Coast Guard global engagement and, and maybe some, some, uh, some thoughts for folks who might want to serve overseas. Well, thank you again for having me here and thank you for your passion. First of all, I'd like to say that if someone has an interest in overseas kind of work, please feel free to contact me or the members of my team, and we can talk to you about who goes overseas, what kind of qualifications you're looking for, what you should have in your paperwork. So we, when we look through the files, we can help you because we want the best and the brightest, and we want the, the, the most motivated at, at what I see, this network of Coast Guards that are capable with the same value system, the, this is what we can give to our country. And the only way we're going to establish it is through you, through deck plate diplomats, to people who are really good at what they do and who, who embody Coast Guard values. So, so I would ask you to... Explore this opportunity to be able to shape another, a fellow sister service, right? See the world, open your mind, and at the same time, do so much for our country. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to hashtag deck plate diplomat. That is awesome. I love that. So um, it, thanks again, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing everybody, or at least uh, you know, look forward to, to having you join us on our next uh, episode of the 1MC. Thank you, Ms. Cataldo. Thank you.